127 people have just celebrated being honoured in this year's Queen's Birthday Awards, an annual tradition of recognising outstanding contributions to New Zealand of people from all walks of life. But who decides who should receive an honour, and should their selection be taken out of the hands of politicians? In this Radio New Zealand Insight programme, Belinda McCammon investigates. Professor Sir David Skegg of Dunedin for services to medicine. The Right Honourable Dame Jenny Shipley of Auckland for services as a Member of Parliament. It's been a long-standing tradition to honour New Zealanders for their contribution to the country, first beginning in 1848 when Governor George Grey was appointed a Knight Commander of the Civil Division of the Most Honourable Order of Bath. Since then, the honours system has evolved, but with its roots still firmly embedded in the British tradition. But are the right people being recognised, or does the system encourage political patronage? Should people be honoured for just doing their jobs, or for achievements like sheep shearing or traditional Indian dancing? Sir Peter Leach, more commonly known as the Mad Butcher, as one of four new knights honoured in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours for business and philanthropy. He's widely known for his charity work, as New Zealand Rugby League's ambassador and a former Kiwis manager. The day before his knighthood was announced, Sir Peter was in the Mad Butcher Lounge at Mount Smart Stadium supporting the Warriors. He says his honour has broken the mould. It's not about me. I think it's you know an award for the people of New Zealand, to be fair. But very humble, a boy from Newtown, Wellington, youngest of seven children. Still don't know me off better times table. It's uh, pretty humbling. When you were first approached to say, will you accept this, what was your first initial reaction? Well, I wasn't sure, to be fair. Uh, it's like when I got the QSM, I wasn't sure. I spoke to a couple of friends and they said, no, you should take it. You know, you've done a lot of good, you've done some stuff. And so... Uh, I thought about it and I thought, yep, I think this will give the little people of New Zealand a big lift, that someone like me can get it. That means they can get it. In the past, it's been all the highfalutin people and all that. Um, You know, I'm a working-class boy and proud of it. A rich variety of people receive honours, from household names to those known only to the communities they work in or help. This year, recipients were recognised for services ranging from shearing, organ restoration marching and amateur theatre. Some seem shoo-ins, some less obvious. What is stopping us as a species, and particularly as a parliament, from seeing the truth that climate change, which has now entered public consciousness... Eco-warrior and former politician Jeanette Fitzsimons retired this year after 13 years in parliament as a Green Party MP and co-leader of the party and was on the first stage of a three-month trip to Europe when it was announced she was made a companion of the New Zealand Order of Merit in this year's Queen's Birthday Awards. Speaking from the Greek island of Santorini, Ms Fitzsimons says she thought quite hard about whether she wanted to accept an award from the establishment, but in the end decided it was recognition for the Green Movement. There are some great writers and poets and artists and musicians and people who have contributed a lot to society that are recognised. There are others that I think are political appointments. That's sort of what you expect in a society that's made up of many different strands. Um, I would not have been happy to accept 
an order of the British Empire. I would not have been happy to um, uh, be a Dane, but I'm happy to have a distinctly New Zealand award um, on behalf of the many people who've worked for the same ideals that I have. Distinctive New Zealand awards, the Queen's Service Order and the associated Queen's Service Medal were first adopted after a review of the honours system in 1975. Another review, 20 years later, led to the British honours system being abandoned. Out went most of the traditional honours, and in 2000, the Labour-led government discontinued titles for the top levels of the honours system, including knights and dames. They were replaced by a new five-level New Zealand Order of Merit. Then in March last year, the government announced New Zealand would reinstate titular honours. Sirs, dames and ladies were back in. The leader of the opposition, Phil Goff, spoke out about the reversal. It seems odd that we move back to having sirs, ladies and dames when we thought that that was part of an English colonial system, not one that reflects New Zealand as a truly independent country. But John Key defended the decision. He says titular honours improve the recognition of those who have made an outstanding contribution to New Zealand. It's my view that they found that quite uh, confusing. Uh, there wasn't a visible recognition of such distinguished honours. The reversal meant 72 New Zealanders who had missed out on being made a knight or dame over the past nine years accepted the option to take a title. Sir Peter Snell of Dallas, Texas. For services to sport... Colin Meads of 66 of those attended a mass ceremony in August last year at Old St Paul's in Wellington for their investiture. But not everyone is happy with where things stand. Constitutional law expert at Victoria University, Dean Knight, is among those calling for further reform. I think we're struggling with the New Zealand honour system to work out how we best honour people. I think we can see that when the government recently reinstated the titular awards to Sirs and Dames. I think after a number of years that people realised that the, the recent creation, the New Zealand Order of Merit, didn't really capture and honour our, our best and brightest in a way that people could understand. Political scientist John Johansson, also from Victoria University, is a critic too. He believes John Key's restoration of the titular honours was wrong. One of my criticisms of the honours system is that how little thought has gone into it from our political elites, from you know whether they're red or blue uh, hue. I think we could do so much more with it in terms of you know establishing indigenous hierarchies to celebrate our, our successful and high achieving Kiwis and those that provide altruistic. Uh, and selfless service to their communities. And yet we're sort of stuck in this uh, outdated, sort of inherited model, exacerbated by key, of course, regressing the whole notion of uh, an Indigenous honour system by restoring knights and dames. Although knights and dames hail from the British monarchy, New Zealand's Republican movement is ambivalent about their return. Its chairperson is Lewis Holden. I can see why people think it's a contradiction because it's tied up with that, you know, sort of royalist, you know, memorabilia and that sort of thing. But the truth is that, you know, you can have pomp and ceremony in a, in a republic. You know, this is one of the arguments that keeping the monarchy means you get things like titles and knights and dames and, and all of these nice anarchistic sort of things, which, you know, are sort of like nice pieces of family silver to, you know, keep hanging around. And there's no reason why we can't keep that sort of stuff. 
but still elect our own head of state. Um, the, the question is what do we keep and what's actually worth keeping. John Johansson would like to see a major overhaul of the system, including how recipients are chosen. I really believe it, it, we're absolutely due for a review, but under this government it's, a, it's actually pointless. Key has this view. He would no doubt see that, you know, there's positives around celebrating high-end achieving New Zealanders, and, you know, of course the rest of us mustn't be envious about that. But, of course, what inevitably happens is they choose poorly, uh, which tends to infect the entire list. I would love to see a government that was self-confident enough to actually quite explicitly remove that patronage element by establishing a standalone sort of commission or committee to award honours. Uh, that's all it takes, the political will to do so. The decisions about who receives honours are made by the Prime Minister and a group of Cabinet Ministers. It's an arrangement that prompts accusations of political patronage. The administration of the system is in the hands of Dave Baguley, who heads the Honours Secretariat and the Cabinet Office, a role that gives impartial advice to the government. Mr Baguley says his staff's core business is the Queen's Birthday and New Year's Honours list, but they're also responsible for all the other awards, including the military, police and other uniformed services, and links with the Order of St John. Nominations are received by us throughout the year. 90% at least of our nominations come from the general public. The committee holds a number of meetings throughout the year and once they have decided uh, on the ones that they wish to be put forward, we then prepare the draft honours list uh, which is sent to the Governor-General for his informal approval. We then uh, send uh, letters to all the proposed recipients asking them if uh, they wish to accept the honours that's proposed for them. Mr Bagley says the number of nominations that are received each year varies between 1,000 and 1,500. He says nominators are asked not to specify which honour they think the person should receive. That's the role of the Cabinet Committee. The first they know about the success or otherwise of their nomination is when the honours list is published. We don't engage in correspondence with, uh, with nominators on any other aspect of their nomination. Dave Baguley says his office deliberately doesn't communicate with nominators in order to avoid people asking what they can do to make their proposal successful. He says his office is not equipped to do background checks on people and it's not up to his staff to ensure there are no skeletons in the closet of any potential recipient. While he can't give me a number, he says very few people decline an honour if they're asked whether they would accept one. That's a Māori design. Um, the medal itself is, is silver um, and it has your name engraved round the, the actual... Around the edge. Round the, the edge. It's got um, C.J. King on the edge. And it's, it's solid silver, so it is a beautiful medal. Oh, can I help? You can. Manurewa resident Chris King received her Queen's Service Medal last year for over 30 years of community service, including working with her church to help support young mothers new to the area. Mrs King, who is originally from England, keeps the medal in its official red box, along with a letter signed by the Queen, yet to be framed, at her home in Alfriston. She describes the investiture ceremony as like a dream, where everyone was treated like royalty and dismisses any criticism, saying the honours system serves an important function. It's part of history. 
we, although we are a nation on our own, I think there are many, many people here who have still have roots with Britain. The Queen at this time is Queen of New Zealand as well. And it is important to keep recognition of people, providing it doesn't get frivolous. I think that it's very important that people are acknowledged, and I think it, it's, as I say, mainly it's, it's history, it's part of history, and it's, it's very, very humbling to, to receive it. The Prime Minister John Key says people who receive an honour are carefully selected. Mr Key says the committee is aware of its responsibility to select people for honours which reflects the person's achievement and not just for a political contribution. He says the Cabinet Committee usually receives a list of about 500, which is culled down to about 200. Mr Key says the committee then scrutinises the list, looking at disciplines, geography, gender and ethnicity. Speaking on a poor cell phone line from the back of his car, he told me he rejects any suggestions that categories such as sharing or traditional Indian dancing are not suitable for inclusion. There is a strong constituency for those in New Zealand and those people that participate in those sports um, see them as hugely important. But I don't think we're giving, giving honours to people for playing tiddlywinks. The Prime Minister sees little benefit of taking the process out of the hands of politicians. Mr Key says in Australia, where an independent group makes the decisions, politicians select its members, so nothing much has changed. The Queen's birthday and New Year's honours list are incredibly transparent. Every New Zealander gets to see them. In the end, they have to pass the sniff test. I mean, do they look like they're a politically biased list? Or do they look like they represent New Zealanders um, for the contributions that they've made? You look at someone like Helen Clark, um, we recommended her for the Order of New Zealand. Well, clearly Helen Clark's political colours aren't tied to national, but it was a reflection that I thought New Zealanders would want to honour her for a remarkable contribution on the domestic stage and now on the international stage. The same thing could be said of Jeanette Fitzsimon. John Johansson from Victoria University says politicians do understand that there is political risk with any recipients and they tend to tread carefully. But he believes the establishment of an independent body would remove the temptation of political patronage. They understand that there is risk attached to making it too friggin' obvious to the rest of us uh, that this is just a direct reward for political favours. Um, so in that sense, they do. I think they do actually do try and uh, strive for some sort of balance. That said, you know, I think the, you, you see the worst excesses of this type of system when a government of the day is basically in its last year or two of office. It knows it's going to lose the next election. And that's when the temptation really, really uh, is very high for one last lash of rewards. Professor Johansson also questions whether honours need to be made twice a year when he believes one honours list would be sufficient. Constitutional law expert Dean Knight believes politicians shouldn't be the ones deciding who receives the awards, but is not so sure 
as to who should. I'm not sure that executive government and the the government of the day is the best people to award the honours because at the end of the day, people worry that they're just honouring their old mates, you know, kickbacks for their buddies, if you like. And I think we can look overseas and look at places like in Australia where there's a council for the order of Australia that makes recommendations to the government general rather than the executive council. We could make it a more parliamentary system and involve a cross-party committee to make recommendations or we could have a committee of wise and, and, and learned people to make that recommendations, if we wanted to remove it from the politics of the day, and and perhaps that's an appropriate step forward as we've sort of moved into the the more sort of parliamentary system associated with an MMP system of government. Dean Knight says it may be difficult trying to make the system more transparent because the nominees have a right to privacy. Despite the restoration of titular honours, the group, Monarchy New Zealand, is also keen to see change. Its chairperson is Simon O'Connor. There are two things in general. I think following the trend of some other Commonwealth countries would like to see the honour system moved into an independent body. At the moment it's under the Prime Minister and Cabinet and that does provide a perception that it's not neutral or it's not as uh, fair as it could be. And I think a solution to that is to put it under an independent body and most appropriately under the auspices of the Governor-General who is a representative of our neutral Head of State. There are other controversial elements to the honours system too. Only one woman was made a dame in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours, Dame Temuranga Batley-Jackson, known widely as June Jackson, for services to Māori. This raises concern on two fronts, gender and ethnicity. The Prime Minister doesn't believe a quota to address the imbalance is the answer. I think we should be recognising people for their deeds and actions, not because they fit some quota or criteria that's that's written down in, in tablet. Look, the reality is that there are always a lot more recommendations for knighthoods than there are for damehoods. Constitutional law expert Dean Knight says the honours system discriminates against women in other ways too. The present titular honours are problematic because only men are entitled to the accolade of knighthood. That's the dubbing of the shoulders with the ceremonial sword. And I think it's slightly inconsistent with our modern day society to say that women shouldn't also be entitled to that honour. And secondly, only wives who carry the same name as their husband are entitled to the courtesy title of lady. And that's problematic in our modern day society. We have greater recognition of the different relationships, de facto relationships, same-sex relationships and the like, that there isn't an equivalent uh, courtesy title. And I think they're both uh, problems which are easily solvable. We can simply extend the accolade of knighthood to men and women. And I think we could probably, looking forward at least, take away the, the, the courtesy title for future awards. As for ethnicity, historian Dr Ranganui Walker questions why a distinction is made to honour services to Māori. Whenever Māori are given that award, it is for services to the Māori people. It's a category. It's not services to New Zealand, it's services to the Māori people. Almost as if it's a, it's a lesser award. And if I do good for the Māori people, I've done good for New Zealand. That category should be broadened, you know, for services to New Zealand or services to business. There are a lot of people who are succeeding in business. So I personally admired those men, Māori men, who were given honours because they were men of honour, they were honourable, they worked for their people, and they really were aristocratic and honourable people. And that to me is in keeping with the tradition of chivalry, you know, the knight 
was supposed to be succor the weak and the poor, you know, on the side of goodness and kindness. But over the years, although I have this category that I admire, and I put Sir Edmund Hillary in that category with the elders that I admire, there are others I don't admire. But that, that's with anything, isn't it? There's a, you're never going to get people to agree on a no, group of people. I, what I don't admire are those who get these awards not for doing good for other people, but for doing good for themselves. That's what I have a distaste for. Dr Walker made a distinguished companion of the New Zealand Order of Merit in 2000, was one of the few who opted not to retrospectively accept a knighthood. Dean Knight from Victoria University believes the honours system should do more to recognise biculturalism. The senior law lecturer wrote a members bill, which was briefly sponsored by the Māori Party. It's now languishing without support, but it calls for Māori honour equivalents and a weeding out of inconsistencies in the titular awards. He says recipients should be given the option of accepting Māori titles instead of knighthoods and dames, and the honours system needs to reflect the country's bicultural heritage. I think it's a recognition of our biculturalism and the important relationship between Pākehā and Māori within New Zealand. I think at the end of the day, a type of system like that would allow people choice about which uh, titular title they would want or titular award they would want. And I think people recognise that that's how we tend to operate nowadays, as we try and blend our Pākehā and our Māori histories uh, and, and, and to create a sort of a, a blended or interwoven approach. But Ranganui Walker says separate Māori titles were looked at in the 1970s. Professor Sidney came back from uh, British Columbia where he was at, well, at the UBC and he saw, read the honours list and saw very few Māori getting honours. as all part of our racist baggage of this bloody culture of ours. And so he took it upon himself to institute a Māori honour system to try and balance the books a bit. Uh, it didn't last long. The establishment of Māori titles is supported by the Republican movement and Monarchy New Zealand. But even without that happening, Simon O'Connor from the pro-monarchy organisation says this country already has its own distinctive system. I think the system we've got is actually a very New Zealand system. Uh, yeah, it's inherited uh, from, from England, but it's in the same way that we've inherited the English language and we don't call that anachronistic or a throwback. I think the system, the Royal Honours System in New Zealand, um, is very Kiwi in its structure and its setup. Uh, when we look at it, its names, the types of the medals, the colours, it's all very Kiwi, all quite indigenised. Simon O'Connor says while there will always be political factors in any honours appointments, he believes they're in the minority. He says the vast majority of those being honoured are ordinary New Zealanders, often doing great works in the voluntary sector, and who represent a wide range of people from many sectors. That's one reason why Jeanette Fitzsimons accepts, and likes, the honours system, although she was disappointed when the titular honours were restored, as she preferred a specifically New Zealand order. But she says the system needs to be constantly reviewed. There are far more than 172 people in New Zealand who are making a really important contribution to their communities. I think the different honours recognise the different levels of, of service and contribution. And I know many, many people who've spent a life working for their local community who have been delighted to see that recognised and their 
uh, friends and colleagues and communities have been delighted to see it recognised as well. And I'm glad that it doesn't just go to kind of high-profile politicians, but it goes to people who've dedicated their lives to serving other people in a very low-profile way in their communities, and I think that's good. For the Republican movement here, the honours system is an issue members are grappling with, but its chairperson Lewis Holden believes it's less important to them than many people might think. Our sort of main argument within our movement is do, do we support the idea of an honours system with titles? Do we support just an honours system or do we support no honours whatsoever because that's you know, a uh, hand-me-down from the colonial era, sort of like the monarchy itself, but I think uh, we sort of see it more as a side issue. I mean, it's not the, the real issue that we are you know, campaigning on. And there are lots of republics in the world as well, um, Italy's uh, the main one, that actually have titles that they award to their citizens. They're also formerly a constitutional monarchy, which is the reason why. Um, but that's you know, something that is, is you know, quite a bit of debate within our organisation on. Lewis Holden says as the country progresses towards a republic, it's up to the people and not the politicians to decide what sort of honours to give outstanding New Zealanders. He says the situation will continually evolve. Now, the major constitutional change in the honours system actually happened in '96 when we got rid of orders of the British Empire and all those other crazy titles because the British Empire doesn't exist anymore. So that was the, the big change. There was another interesting thing that um, Key did, which was he's got rid of all appointments to the uh, Privy Council, which means that he's actually a uh, honourable, he's not a right honourable. So ironically, our uh, last Prime Minister, Helen Clark, who was you know, very adamantly a Republican, is probably going to be the last right honourable, last member of Her Majesty's Privy Council. So uh, it's, uh, history's not without a sense of irony, I don't think. <laughs> Regardless of how the New Zealand honours system changes in the future, it seems set to continue to recognise the achievements of a cross-section of people in a variety of fields for years to come. Former All Black captain Sir Fred Allen received an OBE for services to rugby in 1990, and then this year in the Queen's Birthday Honours was made a knight. At 90, Sir Fred is one of the oldest recipients, and his sentiments are shared by a cross-section of people who each year are honoured. I couldn't believe it, but I, I was so thrilled for a few of my friends that have been wonderful to me, and uh, especially too since I lost my wife. But the thing was, uh, you had to realise that, uh, you know, it was very emotional and it was a bit hard to deal with when I, I got the letters. Uh, and then I got a nice letter from John Keyes. It was hard to express my emotions when it happened. That was newly knighted Sir Fred Allen ending that Radio New Zealand Insight programme, which was written and presented by Belinda McCammon. Technical production was by Chris Adams, and it was produced by Sue Ingram.